The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 160 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Jason here, and yes, don't touch that dial. It is me. I know my voice is a little off today. I I caught a cold. Uh, Thankfully, it's not COVID. It's the same cold, apparently, that my family got. I mentioned it last week, and uh, yeah, it hit me full force a few days later, it turned out. So, uh, but anyway, I am here for you, my friends, uh, bringing to you another exciting author today. Uh, My guest is Donna Chorus Stromella, uh, here to talk about her debut novel, Coffee Killed My Mother, which is a fascinating story that she's got, and uh, one that you're going to really love hearing about how this book came together, and uh, our discussions on, uh, (laughs) well, talking about old school typewriters, and uh, some of her writings, early writings and practices that uh, led to her becoming an author today. Uh, it's a really great conversation. I had a really good time talking with Donna and uh, really enjoy this uh, coming-of-age mystery that she has developed. And it's one I think you're going to like, too, as well. So I'm uh, moving right along. Like I, uh, like I said, not feeling the greatest today, so I'm going to keep things a little bit minimal. Not kind of, I'm not going to wander on as much as I normally do. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and, and uh, hop on over to our first ad for the day with our new friends at Audible. Hello friends, Jason here, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about a great offer from Audible. Like you, I'm very busy. I have a full-time job, a family, I'm a thriller author, and I do this weekly podcast. But I also love to read. That's where Audible is a lifesaver for me. Whether I'm mowing the yard, working out, driving back and forth to work, or doing some other menial task, I can still listen to an incredible book through Audible. And now you can get a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash sample chapter. By doing that, you'll not only have that 30-day trial, you'll also gain access to guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, exclusive Audible originals, and even podcasts like the Sample Chapter Podcast. Last year is the first time I ever achieved my own personal reading goals and it was because of some wonderful titles I listened to on Audible. Some of those titles were Ready Player Two by Ernest Cline, narrated by Will Wheaton, the Awaken Online series from Travis Bagwell, narrated by David Stifle, Patient Zero by Jonathan Mayberry, narrated by the incredible Ray Porter, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention previous guest Scott Meyer with his Magic 2.0 series, narrated by Luke Daniels. It's a lot of fun and definitely worth your time. A full disclosure, by signing up at audibletrial.com slash sample chapter, the show does get a little monetization, which goes directly towards any production needs uh, with the show. So you're also helping us out here by signing up. So what are you waiting for? Head on over now to audibletrial.com slash sample chapter and start your free 30-day trial today. All right, there you go. That's that offer with Audible. You can click the link in the show notes or go to the website and uh, get that offer there. You know, and another 
uh, audible book that uh, is available now something i'm kind of interested in myself is this new netflix series bridgerton <laughs> my wife and i dove into it last week gave it a try and what can i say we adore the show it's fantastic and now i'm interested in the books and uh, they are on audible so that might be something for you to try out your first first book is free 30-day trial give it a shot what do you think I also want to thank my longtime friends, Scrivener. They have sponsored the show now for two years, and I just absolutely love them. I use them with uh, all of my fiction writing. It's, uh, I have both the app and the regular desktop version, and anywhere I go, I'm able to pick up right where I left off. I'm having a lot of fun right now discovering how to move chapters around. Because it's broken, I have my chapters are broken down, and you just pull up the corkboard and you move them around. Okay, this chapter doesn't work there anymore. Now you move it here. Except in this case, I had a short story that I originally was going to pull out, and it's about four chapters, five chapters long. Now I'm spreading that short story out in the midst of my next novel, and I'm doing that through Scrivener. It's a an incredible tool, and it makes this process so much easier than having to copy and paste. And find the right spot of where I wanted to go with it. Check out this ad and find out how you can save yourself 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Okay, I want to also thank my friends over at Pop Goes the Culture, the podcast network that I first became a part of about, oh yeah, also about two years ago. And they are running wild now. They've joined up with a... Yeah, it's called Retrofied Magazine, and uh, that's a really cool thing. they got some cool, some neat stuff going on with that, and uh, they've got about another 10 other shows at the network, so make sure you click that link in the show notes to get on over and check out other shows just like Pop Goes the Culture Podcast, also on the network. Lastly, I want to thank my other podcast network that I'm so happy to be a part of, the Project Entertainment Network. Home to 35 different shows with a wide variety of interests. Whatever you like to listen to, chances are they've got at least one show in there for you. So check out this advertisement for one of those incredible shows. This is Jim Adams from Monster Attack. Hey, if you remember that monster movie from your childhood that got it all started for you, the one that really got you interested in monster movies, horror movies, sci-fis, and cult films, then you're going to want to listen every week to Monster Attack. We look at some of our favorite monster movies from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. With new episodes uploaded every Monday, it's Monster Attack. Exclusively on the Project Entertainment Network. All right, I love it. Love that show. Okay, well, I think I've talked about it as much as I 
can or should <laughs> for now. Uh, let's get us on over to our interview with Maryland author Donna Coros Stromella. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome back to another wonderful, exciting episode, a killer episode, you might say, here in 2021. This week, we are sitting down with Donna Coros Stromella. She is from Maryland, whose fiction and nonfiction have appeared in such magazines as the Baltimore Sun, Scarlet Leaf Review, Columbia, and the Adelaide Literary uh, Magazine. She is a previous award-winning journalist and video writer, producer, and just authored her first book, which she's here today to talk about, Coffee Killed My Mother. Oh my gosh, that's a thrilling title that I cannot wait to dive in. Please welcome to the show, Donna Corostromella. That's a perfect pronunciation. Thank you, Jason. It's great to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. It's been wonderful writing back and forth and uh, working out of time and then uh, getting a little chat a little bit beforehand. So this is going to be fun. I cannot wait to uh, hear about more about you and, and this book. Well, I am looking forward to talking about it for sure. <laughs> well, give us a little bit of your background because it sounds like you... Uh, you you have a, a wonderful background in writing, and this isn't something that you just picked up recently. No, I've uh, really been a writer all of my life. Uh, going back to the earliest days, I you know we just passed the Christmas season, and when folks asked me what my favorite Christmas present was, I one year I asked Santa to bring me a desk and a typewriter, oh. uh, because even that far back, I knew I wanted to be a writer. So I've delved into all types of writing, um, fortunate to make a living as a writer my whole uh, adult career. And but this is the first time I've actually have the title author. So it's an exciting time for me. <laughs> I remember in junior high, I found my dad's typewriter. It was in the, you know, in the case. We had to pull it out of the case and I As found it. And I I, I was like, okay. I've been I'd already been handwriting stories and I thought, oh, mm -hmm. I can be an author now. I now that I have a typewriter, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out his typewriter and go to work. So late at night, everybody else is in bed. I pull it out, set it up with a little coffee table and plugged it in and figured out how to load it and get it ready to go and promptly woke up everyone in the house <laughs> hammering away at those keys. <laughs> yes. Tap, tap, tap. <laughs> yes. Yes. My my dad came in bleary eyed and he's like, what in the world are you doing? I'm writing my first book. No, that, that had to be done during daylight hours, it turned out. Yes, right. Oh, I feel the passion. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Um, but now they have Bluetooth keyboards that are just like that. And I'm I'm so desperate for one. I thought for sure I was going to get one for Christmas, but no, nobody, nobody wants to buy me that, I guess. I guess the if you're not an author, you don't have a love for that sound. It's funny, my daughter just showed me that yesterday. She was at the house and said, I found something you might like and showed me that. And I thought, wow, that's that's kicking it old school. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about some of your early writings. Like what, uh, did, you, did you have anything that stood out that made you like, okay, yeah, I'm a writer. This is what I want to do. Well, the earliest was probably back in Catholic grade school. I was a co-editor of our school newspaper, 
and we were selected as the, the best um, grade school newspaper in the United States. So I think that gave me a little bit of push. Yeah. And then I just started submitting stories to small literary magazines when I was in high school and, you know, just seeing it published, getting it in the mail. That was also, you know, so exciting to see that. And then I wrote, wrote as a columnist for a couple of local newspapers, which was a lot of fun. Just, you know, week after week, the one was uh, a twice weekly column. So it really got me into the mode of meeting deadlines. And I was a writer for the government for most of my career and recently retired from that. I'm just still doing a little bit of consulting, very part-time, but it just seemed the time was right when I retired that I would give this book thing a try and really enjoyed it. I actually, um, before I retired, I decided to get um, my Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing. Hmm. And I ended up studying nonfiction, I guess, with my journalism background. But we did have some studies in fiction, and it just intrigued me to be able to make up these whole worlds. And so that's the area that I, that I, that I landed in, was fiction. Okay. Wow. Well, now, did you, when you were going through school and, and even today, do you have a, a group that you have joined or any kind of well, a writing I, group or anything that you, that you do? I do. Uh, so from the MFA program that I was in, which was at University of Tampa, um, there are a group of us that still continue to exchange work, um, which has been great. Very, just very casual. Mm-hmm. And then more recently, I have been fortunate to connect with some other authors from the same publisher. It's a small group of us, maybe 10. And because our in-person events were canceled, we've tried to help each other, encourage each other, um, work on some social media, planning together, sharing ideas, what's worked, what hasn't worked. So 2020 has been interesting. It's, It's definitely been a challenge with live events canceled, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's really presented a lot of new opportunities to me that I probably would not have considered before. That's very true. Yeah, that's very true. I I found much the same. I I have not been able to attend my writing club either. Uh, Well, after the pandemic began, we went virtual and my schedule changed. And I have in all of 2020 after that happened, I, I attended one meeting um, and that was for less than an hour before I had to go again. And uh, oh. so I, I really miss uh, the old group. But on the alternative is I've done so much of this show and so many episodes last year. That's been my uh, my vice, I guess, my way of communicating is getting to talk to authors like yourself every week and learning new things and and new ways and how you know every week it's a different author and how they write versus somebody else and that's been a wonderful uh way for me to keep up and and keep talking to people in in my world (laughs) well and jason what a great service you're providing to the writing community in a time when they need it most oh thank you so much for saying that Uh, you must have gotten my check in the mail already (laughs) So I, I, you know, we all, we all try to do 
a little bit to promote the work of others, but you know, a podcast, that's that's really a marvelous thing. Well, thank Definitely. you. Thank you. Well, so I gotta know, Coffee Killed My Mother, how did this come about? So it's kind of funny, the title actually, I had the title before I even had the book. Mm. So I am a coffee lover and one day when my daughters were still in school, I was uh, coming back from a sports practice or something and, you know, saw the Dunkin' Donuts sign by the side of the road and did a very quick turn and in process, another car almost hit me. <laughs> and one of my daughters said, you know, mom, coffee's going to kill you. And so that <laughs> title always sort of stuck in my head. And so I really held on to the title. I'd say the one negative part of having, you know, maybe a kitschy kind of title is that uh, it, it's, it is a serious story and it may not appear to be serious from the title. Mm. Well, I can see that. It, that was something when I first heard from you and then I was checking out the book to see, I wasn't sure at first, like, okay, wait, is this a mystery or are you like being serious? I wasn't sure which way it was. I had to read some more about it. And went, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. This is a, a mystery. So this is, this is interesting. So that, that was my first impression was that it was a mystery or something along those lines. But mm-hmm. once I got to looking at it, I thought, oh, well, this could be like a true story or something. Like maybe this is nonfiction and yes, t- I until have, I found it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is funny. I have had people who have known me for years ask me if this was something that happened to me as a child or you know they and people that haven't known me that long have said are you the mother or the daughter you know and I say no I'm I'm neither and then people will also ask well then how did you come up with these characters so I I think I do have a vivid imagination as most writers do <laughs> is, is there any um, how much of real life do you glean into your characters? Is there like a something that somebody that you know does this one little thing and you're like, oh yeah, that's going in the book? Yeah, there were a couple of um, stories in the book that actually did happen to me or happened to someone I knew mm-hmm. and they seem to fit the characters. So that's why I, I included them. We do, there are a lot of cases of addiction in in my family on both sides and so I did understand um, sort of sort of that aspect of someone living with a person in their family who's addicted. Mm-hmm. In this case, the mother who's an alcoholic. My mother was not an alcoholic, um, but you know we do have enough incidents of that in, in our family to see it and to understand how it affects the entire family, not just the person with the addiction. Okay, yeah. So give us the uh, the elevator pitch. What is the book okay. about? So um, it's about Anna Lee. She's a 17-year-old, very anxious young woman whose life is really stuck. And at, that's largely because of her strained relationship with her mother, Jacqueline, who's a quirky, recovering alcoholic who's now addicted to coffee. So Jacqueline has this brilliant idea to take her daughter Uh, for the two of them to go on a road trip to explore independent coffee shops along the East Coast. Hmm. But Jacqueline really has a hidden agenda to reveal a series of disturbing family secrets that she's worked very hard at hiding from her daughter. So things like a twin that died in utero, 
a fatal drunk driving accident, an abusive parent, and even Jacqueline's betrayal of a woman that her daughter held very dear. All right. Well, this is this sounds <laughs> fascinating. Family secrets. There's a, there, <laughs> every family has them. I'm convinced. I have no doubt. Yes. So whenever you had that first book title, and and I know that feeling, you get mm-hmm. that that title comes in, and it's it that's what's uh, clicking. Um, mm-hmm. How how did you go about putting the story together? Like what where did that uh, how did that invention come along? I started in one direction. I started in the direction that uh, it was going to be a son and his mother on this road trip. And uh, each at the end of each chapter, there would be something that would happen where where the reader would think this is where the mother's going to die. You know, some mm. sort of heart stopping incident. And then she wouldn't. And then the next chapter, and it would follow through that. And then that just became, I tried writing a couple of chapters like that. It became a little convoluted for me to try to follow that prescribed format. So I sort of let it go. And then I've often thought a lot about mother-daughter relationships. I've thought a lot about addiction and the uh, impact on families. So I just sort of ended up putting those things together. Uh, and Anna Lee, uh, she's really, both of her parents have left her in a position where she worries that if she moves forward with her life, that it will have a negative impact on her parents. So she's afraid that her father will begin working nonstop. He's already um, a workaholic. And then she's afraid that her mother will return to drinking. So she's sort of in this very heightened state of anxiety. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's got some wonderful reviews already. I mean, compelling page turner, thoroughly engrossing and hard to put down. This sounds incredible. And I I know I'm, I I can speak for the audience probably when I say that I can't wait to dive into this myself. This looks, it sounds incredible. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah, I think, um, so it's interesting. I really wrote it as sort of upmarket fiction slash women's fiction. Mm. But I've had a lot of men tell me that um, it meant something personal to them. Um, Some who had um, a family member who they really associated as a Jacqueline. I've had some other women that have said their mothers may not have been alcoholics, but they had other issues in their life that really held them back from being the kind of mother they wish they'd had. And after reading the book, one of them said, I, I, after reading it, I realized, I think my mother did the best she could under the circumstances. So, you know, it's always my hope that people maybe will relook at some of the relationships and realize that we, we don't have control over everything. And most of us are just trying to do our best. That's, Wow, that that phrase just keeps uh, standing out in my mind there of somebody reading the book and then having that self uh, inflection and realizing that, that how their parent did the best they could. That's wow, that, that I'm speechless. That's uh, that's really something. I had I had to sort of dig deep for that character because I had two really amazing parents. Could not have been better. 
<laughs> so it was sort of, you know, casting aside, like, what if I hadn't had those kind of great influences in my life? How, yeah. how may ha- how would I have been different as a result? Yeah. And, and I could, that's something I think non writers, uh, the readers maybe, or, or somebody that doesn't write has a hard time understanding because kind of like we were talking about before we got started, a lot of people are always asking us, you know, Oh, is this me? Is that you? Is it you yes. know, is this, but they don't understand that the writer's ability to enter this persona and then experience the world through those eyes. And then we're just trying to explain that. And obviously you developed a really great connection with Jacqueline and, and Anna Lee to have gotten this kind of a response. And I actually saw Jacqueline or a woman that looks just like her as I described it. So um, my husband and I are trying to visit all 50 states, which now has was put on hold this year, but we've <laughs> been to 48. And I believe we were in um, Indianapolis, I think, at a waterfall. And there was a class trip And there was a woman that was in the flowing, brightly colored red clothes, floral clothes. She had the cornrows with blonde hair, very um, dark red lipstick on her face, very pale complexion. And I just kept looking at her. And my husband said, do you know her? And I said, gosh, I feel like I do. And then it suddenly hit me. So my husband said, well, we'll take her picture. I said, well, how am I going to do that? And he said, well, tell her you wrote a character that looks like her. I said, no, I'm not. So we actually did. uh, I I posed for a picture and she was behind me just so I could have proof that this woman did exist. I'm sure, you know, her personality was nothing like Jacqueline, but um, but it was interesting because sometimes and I'm sure you understand this as a writer, when you're writing a character, you wonder, is this is this person realistic enough? Would they actually live in, in the real world? Mm. And she did. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, tell us what you're working on now. I've started a new book and it's, it's actually drafted. I'm working on rewrites and it's called Among the Bones. That's, that is more of a mystery story. It's, um, it's about a diverse group of people who live in a wildly unusual community. And there's a series of murders that are happening in the background, but they ultimately land at their door. Uh, And it's set in the Pacific Northwest in an area where housing prices are just, uh, you know, out of reach. And so someone has come up with a novel idea to build this new community of tiny houses in open spaces in a graveyard. So this is where the book is set. Okay. Wow. Uh, is that uh, something you're hoping for sometime this year? Um, I, yes, hopefully by the end of the year, but I'm not sure which what, um, what avenue I'm going to take for publishing at this point. So um, okay. yeah, still still working that out. I know a lot of writers now are, are publishing themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm going to go back to an independent publisher again, or if I'm going to try to just set out on my own. So that remains to be seen. Yeah. Well, either way, you got to make sure and let us know when that's available so that we can help uh, let everybody know that uh, your next book is available. Thank you. I will. Yeah. Well, this has been 
absolutely delightful talking to you. And again, I cannot wait to uh, to grab a copy of this for myself. Uh, tell us where people can find and follow you. So I'm on the usual author sites, um, Goodreads, Amazon, um, you know, the author pages. I have a Facebook page and that's typically where I where I post everything. It's an author page. It's Donna Chorus Stramella Writes. And I try to promote not just my work, but the work of many other people. So I've I have a lot of friends that are publishing. It seems it seems like everyone's books sort of came out during the pandemic year, which is interesting timing. <laughs> so it was a lot of creativity this past yes, year. Yes, I guess that's it. I guess maybe we had extra time at home to um to push those out. Mine mine had been scheduled for the end of February. Um so I, you know, I already, I did have some events scheduled, which were promptly canceled, but, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I think, I just want to say on behalf of the authors who you're promoting on your own page, I think that's really wonderful. And it, it's something I believe in with this show is that a rising tide raises all ships. So that's a yes, wonderful yes. way to be. Love that. <laughs> All right. Well, it is time for me to step aside and hand the floor over to our guest, Donna Chorus Stramella with Coffee Killed My Mother. Thank you, Jason. So I'll be reading the first chapter of the novel where our young protagonist, Anna Lee, sets off with her mother on a trip to visit independent bookshops. My mother has no sense of direction. I arrived late to birthday parties, the shiny paper and bows and a tussle on the floor, while kids with icing frosted lips played with red fire trucks or Barbie dolls. I never sang the happy birthday song or even watched my friends blow out the candles. For a full month, I imagined riding a pony at my friend Cindy's party. Her grandmother, who was flying in from Dallas, promised to rent a pony for her granddaughter's eighth birthday. When we arrived, late, I saw the long tail hanging over the half door of the trailer just as it pulled out of the driveway. Cindy's cowgirl hat was tilted to one side as she waved goodbye. I was always the last player at field hockey practices and games, taking extra laps in the afternoon heat and humidity to compensate for tardiness. The rest of the team, sitting beneath the shade tree in the cool grass, eating juicy, ice-cold orange slices. Once we were even later than our usual half hour to 45 minutes make an entrance time, as my mother called it, this time it was the funeral of Mr. McGregor, my white-haired American history teacher who died of a heart attack at school, right in the middle of our studies on the Great Depression. He had just introduced Roosevelt's New Deal when he stopped talking stared straight ahead and opened his eyes wide. One hand rested on his chest, the other on the edge of his desk when he fell to the dirty gray tile floor. My mother insisted that no one arrived at funerals on time, but as we parked and raced towards the tented area of the gravesite, the punctual mourners were already returning to their cars. The prayers had been recited, veterans flag presented, flowers tossed on the coffin and tears shed. This time, I didn't mind being late. Funerals were my least favorite obligation. Today, my mother's shortcoming puts us 60 miles from our target destination, 
That's what I get for falling asleep. I scroll through Google images on my phone looking for pictures of Hanover, Pennsylvania. This is not the view outside my car window. No fields of bright yellow wildflowers. No Amish farmers in horse-drawn buggies. No black and white cows grazing near red barns. No historic buildings. And no Utz factory tour. The only thing that got me out of bed this morning to start our drive from Northern Beach, New Jersey, was the promise of Utz potato chips. Even now, I imagine the sweet smell just inside the factory, the lightly oiled, salty coating playing with my tongue. Even in the wrong Hanover, I can almost taste the delicate curled snack when I lick my lips. We exit slowly off the highway, the ramp tight with cars. Immediately, we are crushed by buildings, not quaint historic row houses or wooden barns, but restaurants, stores, an outlet mall, and even a casino. A giant screen on the side of the casino flashes advertisements. $100,000 payoff, win a Lexus. Sunday, Ravens football on the big screen. We're now in Hanover, Maryland, an unexpected first stop on what my mother calls our coffee by car trip to visit as many coffee shops as possible. In my texts with friends, I call the journey coffee with crazy. I'm 17 and instead of working at the sandwich shop near my house, grilling portobellos and chopping onions and zucchinis, while I think about where I'll eventually enroll in college, this is my life, at least for the next several months. The trip had been sparked by a comment in a blog my mother followed, a blog about coffee and people who love coffee, a blog about people like my mother. The writer described Fairyland Coffee in Hanover, Pennsylvania as impossibly tiny on the outside and stocked with five times the goodness inside, a fairy tale cottage with a bottomless carafe of coffee. Fairy tale, bottomless. My mother was going to get there, only she wasn't, at least not now. My 61-year-old mother has always been a bit eccentric, a white woman who wears her shoulder-length blonde hair and cornrows. Her pale skin looks sallow with her bright red lipstick. She has loved red for as long as I can remember. Her bedroom has a red accent wall, and our flower garden has at least five varieties of red rose bushes. With her slim figure, she could wear fitted dresses. Instead, her messy closet holds flowing clothes in large, bright floral prints in every shade of red and pink. I was born to a 44-year-old single mother. I'd flat out given up, she'd tell me every year on my birthday. I desperately wanted a child but was never blessed that way. Imagine my joy and having a girl was the icing on the cake. A short round brunette, I look like my father, which means I am the exact opposite of my tall, slender, blonde mother, with one exception. Annalise, she'd say, do you know how blessed you are that God gave you my blue eyes? And with your brown hair and long eyelashes, people notice them even more. It's true, her eyes are lovely. Sometimes I look up at her and see a soft blue reflection. Other times I see an approaching storm, the blue waves churning and heading in my direction. Today I see clouds, clouds of confusion. This doesn't look historic, she says, the clouds forming in her eyes. It doesn't look rural either. My eyes roll back. Could you check the map on your phone, she says. 
Maybe I took the wrong exit. My eyes roll further back. Or maybe I just need to ride around to the other side of the mall. Now my eyes are rolling around inside my head. In protest, I haven't said a word since we left the driveway, but I can't hold back any longer. You're in the wrong state, I say, the corners of my mouth curling up in angry amusement. She looks straight ahead, her lips pursed. Humor isn't helpful, she says, and keeps driving. I'm not being humorous, but you're being wrong, again. Like always, I want to say more. Instead, I start counting the places lined up on the boulevard. There are four salons, three for nails, one for hair, a total of seven restaurants serving seafood and steak, burritos and burgers, pizza and pasta, and six stores selling beds, cards, candles, cell phones and groceries. I hear the evenly spaced click, click, click of the blinker as we turn off the main road. In the distance, there are two hotels surrounded by young trees on the brink of new color. The sun is setting on a deep blue early autumn sky and Hanover reveals some natural beauty for the first time since we took the exit. The pure white clouds from a minute ago are now rimmed in pink. We pass a simple white clapboard church, large pots of yellow mums on both sides of the entrance. Above the shiny black door, the steeple rises, the bell reflecting the pink and blue above. Our aging Jeep Wrangler, red paint peeling over dents that were never fixed, and with the odometer hovering not far from 200,000, turns into the first hotel parking lot. Can't you just smell the coffee in the air, she smiles. I have a good feeling about Hanover. We're traveling light, one large roller bag each. My mother is certain hotels will have a washer and dryer. It's just like we're backpacking across Europe, she told me as we packed, but without backpacks and without Europe. A few brown leaves crunch beneath my flip-flops, autumn's early notice. If my mother keeps driving south, we'll miss it. As the automatic hotel doors open, I smell the roasted beans I know so well, not because I drink the stuff, but because my mother consumes up to 10 cups a day. At home, the smell is everywhere. In the kitchen, of course, but also in the bedroom where she sits in bed to drink her first cup of the day, her office where she taps out stories for the local newspaper, the foyer where she continually sloshes the overfilled contents on the carpet when she answers the door, and even my room when she invites herself in to sit on the edge of my bed and ask about my day. At the hotel courtesy counter with two big aluminum containers, she is already turning the lever, a steaming brown river of life flowing into the humble cardboard cup. She takes a sip, tilting her head back slightly and closing her eyes. I straddle my bag, rolling it back and forth with my feet as my mother heads to the check-in desk. The older man behind the counter asks, how may I help you? My daughter and I would like a room for the night. Do you have a reservation, he asks, playing with the end of his thick gray mustache. I get off my luggage and make a slow circle around the lobby, passing the cramped business center with a single computer and printer, the steamy window with a view of the indoor pool that has fake palm trees in each corner, and a tiny gift shop that is unmanned at the moment. At the end of the circle, my mother's standing by our luggage. Here's one for you, she says, handing me a key. Guess what? 
we are in the wrong state. I shake my head wondering if this first miscalculation is an omen for the rest of our trip, a trip that I tried unsuccessfully to avoid, even suggesting I stay with my father. It was torture to stay with him for a weekend, yet I was willing to spend months mostly alone in his sprawling rancher while he worked 12 hour days. Definitely a more tolerable option than sharing hotel rooms and long drives with my mother. Last night in my own bed for what I knew would be some time, I could feel myself drifting off immediately, dreaming I was sitting comfortably in the Adirondack chair behind my father's waterfront house, the lake perfectly still, reflecting yellow and red maples and tall, long-needled pine trees on the bank. The sun shone directly above a whisper of a breeze on my face to balance the Indian summer temperatures. The air was scented with a familiar sweet smell, honeysuckle or maybe lilac. In the stillness, I heard a soft buzz, the sound growing louder and louder until it filled my ears. I swatted at the insect, but the noise continued. Anna Lee, Anna Lee, it buzzed. Anna Lee, Anna Lee. I opened my eyes. Those garish yellow braids were just inches from my face. It's time to start our adventure. That was Donna Cors Stramella reading a sample chapter from her debut novel, Coffee Killed My Mother. The ebook is available right now on Amazon. It's through Adelaide Books. The paperback is coming soon. So click that link in the show notes so you can find out more about that book and more about Donna and where to follow her as well. Don't forget to click the link in the show notes for our podcast friends and sponsors alike. And hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I am back with Soraya Ellsmore. Until then, take care, everybody. I hope you are doing better than I am right now. <laughs> take care. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.